0: This is Tom Patello, and welcome to the CX Enablement Podcast. My guest today is Craig Nelson. He's the CEO and co-founder of pioneering customer experience enablement firm, CXERA. Craig, well, he's no stranger to developing innovative SaaS solutions and creating a market, doing so in the sales enablement space with a company called Icentera. Portals for Mortals, for those who remember that company. He founded that way back in 2003, and, see, and he successfully sold that to Calidus Cloud. And that eventually became part of SAP. And Craig played a key role in the sales enablement and training with the global SAP customer experience organization after that acquisition. With further experience earlier in his career with mission critical software and NetIQ and more, he's now gone further down the buyer's journey. To focusing on enabling not just sales or customer success, but enabling customers with something called customer enablement, and that's what we're here to talk about today. Welcome,
1: Craig. Tom, thanks for having me, and uh, I like the name of the, uh, the podcast as well. It's a it's a detention grab. Absolutely. So,
0: how to avoid don't get kicked in the sass, right. So, and that's what I want to talk about with you first. There's a lot of volatility in the economy, whether we're technically in a recession or not. Who knows? Inflation is definitely taking a hit. Just a lot of uncertainty. What impact has
1: this had on SaaS solutions? Yeah, and then whether or not we're in a recession, uh, there's no question that uh, stats uh, begin to show that people are, out of fear, slowing down. So whether you're in or not, they're slowing down. And one of the most uh, uh, catching, if you will, for those that do SaaS businesses is that a third of all SaaS companies today? Uh, a third of their deployments are being unused, and if they are unused, uh, they're going to be at risk uh, come this fall. So you know, being kicked in the the SaaS is certainly going to be something more evident, I think, here in the in the uh, winter time of uh, 2022. So I look forward to talking to you today about some ideas around how do you really grab mindshare and get people to adopt your solution. That's that's the one thing we've learned a lot about over the last couple of years now having gone downstream.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, as budgets tighten up, there's going to be more scrutiny paid to every dollar spent. There's certainly going to be technical investments in digital transformation, in supply chain management. There are definitely going to be some key investment areas, but they're going to have to look at every dollar spent to be able to free up precious budget for those. And a recent survey by the folks over at Ziff Davis indicate that you know about half of all IT organizations, CIOs and IT decision makers that are surveyed, they're looking to cut their budgets overall. And even the right. ones that are making investments are going to be scrutinizing. And SaaS now is critical mass. So it is going to get the scrutiny of the CFO, the COO, and is going to be a place they look for budget cuts. Now, Why has it been so difficult, you know, with low adoption, obviously, you're going to be on the chopping block, at least for licenses that are unused, if not the whole kit and caboodle. Why has it been so difficult for SaaS business leaders to get that adoption, Craig?
1: Well, there's no question a lot of money has been spent, uh, you know, roughly $600 billion uh, in IT spending a year. So that's a big number, right, Tom? And you can Mm -hmm. take you know, uh, roughly 30%, 35% of that, you got about $240 billion wow. that currently is at risk. And, and from both standpoints, right, you're going to have uh, the CEO, uh, FO, CEO, that's going to be uh, cost-cutting coming into this uh, period that we're uh, kind of sitting on at the moment. Uh, they're going to look at things that are unused, but they're also going to take a look at things where there isn't a broad-based adoption and, in turn, value. Mm-hmm. It's one thing that they're logging in but is there value? Mm-hmm. So, so I think there's, there's that part of this that I'm hoping that we get into today, and that's uh, value promised during selling. We've spent the last two decades doing sales enablement, right? That's all about value promised based on the needs of that one company. Now the question is, how do you make sure that value is realized?
0: Absolutely, and as the ROI guy, that's obviously near and dear to my heart. Now, one of the things right, that I know did. as a SaaS business leader is – Um, onboarding, onboarding being so essential and making sure that that's successful. And that's where customer success has come in and really played a critical role. Why a lot of organizations created customer success was how do we make sure these companies that we license to are up and running? And how do we make sure that they're actually adopting? So what kind of role does customer success play in this, Craig, and kind of how do we enable them with best practices, so that they are successful yeah. with successful onboarding and successful value realization too.
1: Right. And in, in a word, Tom, everboarding. All One right. of the things Same that, that, we, that we like about the term everboarding, it uh, it really kind of changes the game because you know there, there may have been a, a period in time where you, you think about onboarding as a as a thirty day event, right? This definitive period of time in which. Uh, you, you provide a certain degree of services. You might charge, you might not, but then you walk away. Mm-hmm. And and I think most SaaS companies over the last couple of decades have learned you never walk away. Mm-hmm. You know, onboarding never ends. So that's that's everboarding. So pretty simple term. Uh, we think it's effective, though, because it begins to cause you to rethink the the way in which you service companies. And this is not news to customer-centric companies. They've done it from the beginning, and uh, and it's been proven that they grow at twice the rate. Of those that are not customer centric, and, and why is that? You know, because they're not doing things in a prescriptive way. So, how do you repeat it if it's ad hoc each time? You know, some of the things that I talk about, when I talk about customer enablement. Complete parallels, Tom, the to sales enablement. Mm-hmm. It's the same stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Just like we onboarded a rep the first week, the first thirty, the first ninety. We then found out they learned through doing business. So it's continuous. Think about everboarding as that the continue adoption and learning of the client.
0: Yeah, and so what would that consist of? So you've got your customer success folks, a lot of them are emailing content, emailing guides, yeah. emailing training around. You know, maybe you've got a SharePoint set up and so you've got some assets that are posted there that they're sharing links with with customers. What does this new better world look like, Craig?
1: So Tom, you just mentioned emailing three times in a row. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that because when I, when I talk to prospective buyers, uh, they'll, they'll speak about Everboarding, and they'll speak about the 50, 60, 70 emails that will go into a, cl- a customer client mm-hmm. during the course of a of 12-month cycle. So so imagine you're on the client side. You've got, I don't know, 10, 15 vendors supporting you. Multiply that by you know maybe 100 emails coming from each one of them. Uh, obviously, it doesn't work. It's mm-hmm. sequential. It's not interactive in any shape or form. You're not engaging. It's somewhat trackable. Right, but that technology only gives you so much. But but think about Everboarding is a set of microprocesses. So chunk it up, right? Mm-hmm. Like a better terms. Uh, what's the first week look like? So the first week could be the introduction video. And the introduction video could be a personalized video for that company done by the CS professional that has talked to the selling team, the account team and knows exactly why they bought. Mm-hmm. Knows exactly the perception of value. And and they make mention of it. Here are the five reasons why you bought. I mean, hell, they might just grab the slide that was used during the the sales call. Mm -hmm. And then take that and then begin to march down the, here's the introduction training. Here are some customer testimonials. Right here is some example cases that maybe a template or two that you can take and lift and steal. So there are five things in a checklist. So week one could be a checklist of five items. It's not any more complex than that. So, so just think about a microsite, and, and I'll speak a lot about microsites. Uh, we're trying to use the term experiences because it's a little more human mm-hmm. than, than a microsite, too technical. But think about those microsite experiences as a place for me to go to, to have things presented at the right time. Because once I get to the end of that checklist, all right, what's next? So then give me the next 30 days. Now give me the next 90 days. I think you get the, mm-hmm. the sense from my, my thought here, and that is highly prescriptive, delivered when I need it. And then, oh, by the way, if I'm not consuming this, alert the team.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Not just the CS professional, but the sales team that sold me. Uh, possibly the product management team that made some promises. Mm-hmm. You know, Alert them that I'm not making my way through it. If there's one thing that I've heard from clients, is just that. They, they want to know where the – their clients are uh, without having to reach out to them. And so we're
0: talking about enabling the customer success team with the ability to very quickly create these experiences for customers, and then customers to interact and collaborate in those experiences, consisting of those training videos, the resources, the checklists, the surveys, the value reminders, all of those elements in those microsites, in those experiences, one of the challenges is customer success. You know, there's been a lot of hires and a lot of infrastructure put in for those folks, but they're still managing way too many yeah. customers per rep, right, per customer success rep. Professional services is mm-hmm. equally overtaxed uh, if they're in a separate organization. How does this help deal with that shortage of customer success or the, these high ratios to where it's still personal but scalable?
1: Yeah. I and mean, with Think about the days of uh, enablement, sales enablement, early days. Mm-hmm. You had people that were in sales ops doing it, and then you had trainers doing it, and then you had enablement person, person doing it, mm-hmm. individual, not not a group, mm-hmm. you know. And and they were enabling hundreds of reps and hundreds, if not thousands, of partners. The th- same thing is happening today with the CS professional. They may be assigned a hundred clients. The record so far, Tom is a uh, one company who told me each CS rep has. 450 customers they support. Could you imagine? Yeah. Uh, there was another web conferencing company that uh, I won't, we'll go nameless, uh, 140 customers yeah. per CS rep. And then whether it be a CS slash salesperson, right? Somebody who's that account manager, it's, it's kind of the same thing. They're paying attention to them. Uh, and so with those numbers, they have to find a way of connecting. And then the other thing they're finding is that they can't do it the same way for each one to the extent unless they have a repeatable way of doing it. Mm-hmm. So what they should do, right, use a template. What is week one, week 30, or I should say uh, week four, you know, month three, month nine, and then have those be micro processes that even if you have that huge ratio of CS to customer, you're putting the things that you did for the last company and you spent all that energy on in front of this new company. And mm-hmm. and hopefully also you're retiring the things that didn't work.
0: Mm -hmm. So you probably have someone in that organization that's setting up those templates or a couple of the smart CS people kind of putting the templates in the library and then the rest of the team can leverage those best practices, right? Very easily. And so they're not starting from scratch every time. Uh, There are these template microsites, templated experiences. And then those can be set up for Different size businesses, so you might do things different for a small company than a medium, than a large, than an enterprise. And then I would imagine maybe industry sectors if those get enabled differently. But you can have different flavors of these templates,
1: right? You, you can. And by the way, a template is not just simply, you know, some kind of a digital page somewhere. You know, there's there's been a lot to do about that over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned SharePoint know, a backend database, but you need a front-end presentation layer. That's what I refer to it as. Mm-hmm. That's super engaging, right? So it's so right out of the gate, it's engaging. But when you look at it and you divide it up, let's say you have a banner in the upper left-hand side that's communicating the latest and greatest from your company, mm-hmm. skip the newsletter, do a banner, right? And that banner is gonna be subject to what it is they bought from you mm-hmm. and what it is they could be buying from you. So there is some cross-up selling. So that's, that's the banner. Then off to the right is going to be the checklist I mentioned earlier, Mm -hmm. and that checklist is going to be a prescriptive checklist. And then for a deployment that, let's say, is a fairly sizable deployment, and you have a number of CS people, deployment people, partner people, you got a pretty good-sized group, Mm -hmm. you know, put together uh, what I refer to as project management line Mm -hmm. know, a a simple series of milestones. Milestone one, two, three, four, each one of them has a a set of things you're doing, uh, but that set of things – highly engaging videos, try not to do kind of heavyweight white papers in that because your client needs to consume it fast. Uh, Do it when it's necessary. Um, But yeah, those three things alone, a banner to stay in the communication. uh, Secondly, a checklist to to let them know what's next. And then thirdly, major milestones. So, So what does that do for you? Then you can begin to layer on Uh, to that microsite, when I say layer on, I mean that in a good way, Uh, a survey. Mm -hmm. How are we doing? What are we missing? Uh, For those doing NPS ratings, do an NPS rating on a specific thing. You know, radar training. Mm -hmm. If you're a SaaS company, our UI experience. Radar tech support group. You know, do the NPS, do the surveys, but do them along the way. They're not Mm -hmm. one-off, right? They're not for hundreds of clients at a time. They're for that one client. Uh, back to your idea of the template. I love the way you defined it. You know, you'll start off with maybe small, medium, and large, right, deployment, you know, generic. And then you'll get into verticalizing it. Then you might even go all the way down to the persona. You know, it's the, uh, the accounting organization bought your stuff mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever vertical organization bought your stuff. But what's in that template, Tom, isn't just a page. Mm-hmm. It's what are the questions we ask that particular targeted individual or company. You know, what are the steps? that we've seen work 20 times before. I say 20 times because once you put sort of the stake in the ground and begin to do things digitally, you just reuse it. Easier to be a critic than a creator, Tom. Mm -hmm. It's an old saying, but it still, still holds true. Yeah,
0: and then all the resources that they need, the documents they need to refer to, the videos and the training for getting up to speed. And this goes beyond just onboarding, right? So I think of the other things that customer success needs to do and and the group needs to do. Things like quarterly business reviews or executive business reviews, those need to be conducted more often, not less often. And yet the CS resources are really strained to do a handful of them, much less 100 or 200 or 400 because every customer needs a value review, whatever we call it, quarterly business review, executive business review. There better be a value review coming out if you're going to retain that customer and if you're going to get them to not, um, you know, backstep on the amount of licenses that they're doing from you. So that yeah. extensibility, I think, is important in the solution, right, where it's not just onboarding. It, it could be these other, as you said, micro processes that need to be
1: automated for CS and professional services. That's right. If you think, think about SaaS companies today, I think we've all learned our lesson that you can't wait until month 11 to, to go after that client to check in to say, hey, you know, how does next year look? Uh, so I'm stating the obvious to start. And, and I think for most companies, they've got a weekly cadence. That will shift to a biweekly cadence that may at some point shift to a quarterly cadence once the client is, is truly engaged and adopted in a, in a big way. And the value promise has now been realized. Um, but, yeah, have that be a series of processes. Have a QBR process, right? Have an every other week process. And in that process are the things you typically cover. You know, one of the things I hate to do is put together agendas. <laughs> you know, why to have a process already prebuilt for that. And, uh, and a component within that microsite that says, our next meeting, we're gonna cover these five things. And if you've done it 20 times, probably the same five things. Yeah. And then look at the analytics because I, I don't wanna promote more. It's more, is not more mm-hmm. when it comes to enabling uh, the customer. It really is gonna be you know, having them uh, show through analytics, uh, through some of the things that come through the site, feedback and NPS ratings, what things are, are great and what things provide no value. So get in a regular routine of these templates, grooming them, and yeah. scaling them back, adding more that's necessary. And you mentioned the analytics,
0: so that'll give you an idea of what, how far along each customer is, what their responses are to the NPS surveys, the other survey, checklists that are in there. And that'll be kind of site by site, account by account. But you also have an overall roll-up for the things that are common, right? So you can see across customers.
1: You, you do. And, you know, a lot of people have teams and they have Slack uh, and they'll embed these microsites in that environment. Uh, and why they're going to do that is because it's quick access to the site, but it's also quick access to all the collaboration mm-hmm. that's going on in that site in real time. So you'll know as they're checking off items, uh, as they're doing their certification training, you're going to know that, right, in these social environments, mm-hmm. which is great. And then when you go to schedule the QBR meeting, uh, you're in Outlook, you're on Google, you know, take that chance to hit that button to, you know, generate the site to support that meeting. Uh, I really do uh, introduce sort of these microsites as uh, microsites anywhere. Mm-hmm. And and so in doing that, there's the history of those sites. And then to your point, so let's say now that you've got a site to kick them off, a site for the QBRs, maybe a site for adoption and training. Roll them up so you know from a company perspective. Uh, we've got one client that's going to be doing uh, a site for onboarding every clinic uh, they're in the biotech and medical arena and every clinic is going to have analytics and and all that's going to be screened to their social they're using slack channel and they want to learn about them in real time but then what they want to do is take a look at clinics on the west coast east coast you get the idea they mm-hmm. want to take a geo uh, slant on on what's happening in what parts of the country and then ultimately they're going to do a b 2 b to c they're going to go to People that are actually using their product mm-hmm. and they want analytics of that. So, so think about the power of having—you've uh, got twenty clinics, you've got twenty of these sites uh, generating behavioral analytics, uh, and it's really going to be back to that earlier example. What are they doing in the first week? What are they doing in the first thirty days? You and I have talked about it. You know, mm-hmm. we, we want to keep this dead simple to begin with, because if we can figure out the first thirty, and then maybe the next client, you know, the next three months. Mm-hmm. Then these analytics, it's really a byproduct. Mm-hmm. You know, people are engaged on the site. You know, that's one key question is how do you get into the site to begin with? Yep. Because it's a single pane of glass. Mm-hmm. And if you paint it as that. You know, it's not another system. In fact, embed the site within your SaaS product. We have clients that are white labeled to put this within their product as a tab. So that yep. as as a tab, right? Mm-hmm. And and they're using this as this onboarding within that product as a tab, but it's the analytics which will show, are they consuming the enablement? Are they actually adopting the product capabilities? Mm-hmm. Mash that up to use that old term, then roll that up. And I'll go back to this company working with clinics. Uh, they don't go to the clinics anymore, right? So it's hard, right? Mm-hmm. They, they do at times, but it's hard to get to the clinics. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got another company that's in the SaaS business and you know they wanna do these for every one of their clients. Uh, doesn't matter size, but they have that small self-serve they want to learn from the self-serve small clients, mm-hmm. and then they do very, they call it white glove onboarding for the big clients. They want to know both, mm-hmm. but that's why you want to take these analytics and bring them together. And I'm glad you brought that up, Tom, because if if in the end you look at the history of these digital experience, you're going to see the buyer journey, mm-hmm. and then you're going to want to, if you're in marketing, combine it with uh, you know, visitor analysis off your .com site. If you're in sales, you're going to want to mash this up with what's coming out of your enablement tool, Mm -hmm. right? What content, what playbooks are making a difference. There's a lot of things, right? You can correlate and understand, but you can't really understand until you get the touch points from the customer.
0: Yeah, and And I think that's 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 the key, yeah, is that you've got this going. It's really about enabling the customer and then sales and customer success and the other touch points and layering in on top. It's a different, really a different point of view than an internal tool to enable the sales team or an internal tool to enable customer success. It's really right. get a tool so that customer success can enable the customer, sales can enable the customer, professional services can enable the customer. And then everything else really, that's the, the whole purpose of why we're in business, right? Is to create that better customer experience and these digital experiences will help us to do that. Now you spoke about making sure that this is attractive so that the customers want to access it. And it's yeah. like you also mentioned that by embedding it in Slack, in uh, email and scheduling in the Gmail suite, for example, in Teams, in Zoom, that with a, yeah. just a click of a button when I'm in those environments, I could set up an experience for that meeting. I can set up then an experience to onboard a customer when I know they're they're onboarded. And we did the onboarding call with them, right? So right. that's how you kind of get the adoption, I would assume.
1: Uh, it is. I mean, well, what you don't want to do... Uh, for those that have been at the SaaS game for a while, Tom, I know you have, is introduce another platform mm-hmm. that has to be rolled out and trained for. Uh, we we believe that embedding this within the platforms, but more importantly, there's process behind the CRM. Mm-hmm. There's process behind you know a gain site, and when you look at those tools in particular for attracting the front end and the back end, you should be able to embed yourself within there, and and more important give them those touch points that come directly from the customer. You need it from the sales team, you need it from the CS team, but you also need it from your partners, and you need it from your customer. Once you hit those four audiences, Tom, then, then you have, again, as a byproduct the people surfing these microsites, uh, you know, a whole lot of information, and, and I'll use an example. So one of the things that we looked at a couple years back was Zoom, and we thought, why wouldn't you be able to, at the end of a Zoom call, generate a microsite to support your call. Mm -hmm. What would be on that site? It would be, here's what we learned today. Uh, Here's the transcript. Here's the recording. Here's the deck. Here's the bio of the presenter, right? Here's some details that, you know, a case study or whatever that Mm -hmm. might be of use, you know, but gen that site directly coming out of that web conference. Uh, Zoom is one of many web 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 conferencing technologies. But I think it's a good example, right, is when you get done with it, then what we saw clients do was... You know what, we want one of those sites before, during, and after the web conference. And then in a sense, you know, being able to truly understand and fully have an impact on the content. How many times have you spent weeks, if not months, preparing for a webinar? You want to get the most out Mm -hmm. of it. And and we want companies to get the most out of it. And then, then ultimately, if they become a client, we want to show that. You know, here are the different webinars they went to. Here's the different customer stories they've downloaded. Now they're a client. Mm-hmm. So, so we want to garner that information and then play it back. But it comes directly from uh, the site. It doesn't come from somebody having to type that in.
0: Yeah, and instead of just sharing the link in an email post follow-up and then attaching the documents you need, Now you've got an experience that you've set up with with them with next steps and other things that they could walk through, maybe a survey on how the customer thought the call went. Wouldn't that be great to get some feedback from there? Absolutely love it, Craig. What's the one thing you'd like to leave our
1: CX experts with today, Craig? So I'm going to come back to everboarding. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know I like that term because it uh, resets expectations that customer uh, onboarding never ends. Um, I had a, an analyst actually yesterday take a look at the stuff, and, and I loved his response, which was, why wouldn't every customer be a success case? Why wouldn't every customer be willing to do a testimonial, you know, 30 days, 60 days into it? It's a great point. And, and so if you think of things as everboarding, every client can become, right, a success. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then the beauty of the everboarding concept is the cross-upselling, uh, the G2 rating, you name it, right? They're promoting you. There's a huge payoff. So enablement of the customer with everboarding. I think that's a good takeaway. Um, we've got a marketplace now where some of the ideas I talked about in today's call, uh, Tom, it's up online. Uh, it's up on my uh, LinkedIn uh, profile. It's up on our website, Cxera.com, But we're our marketplace because you'll see out there some of these processes we've talked about today. You'll see a podcast supporting it. You know these are great ideas that have come from a lot of people having done the work. Yeah, I think seeing the examples of the experiences will um, cement
0: some of the things that we talked about. So I highly encourage that. We'll include the link in the meeting notes, Craig, so that you can share it with folks. And uh, man, thank you so much. Don't get kicked in the sass. I think you provided some good advice to us to help to prevent that. As always, Tom, thank you for having me. Awesome. And uh, please, if you liked what you heard, hit subscribe, please punch the like button. And until next time, my CX enablement warriors, keep growing.